This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live on a Thursday. Father Jason Leffer and Father James Gross are joining you here from our Grand Forks studios on what is a um, more overcast and uh, chilly late summer morning than we certainly had been used to for much of the uh, uh, for for much of the past summer. It felt like a sort of a Nebraska or Kansas winter, and it's felt like a Nebraska or Kansas summer for us this summer. Yeah. So we had a little bit of rain pass through the area. There's a chance for more in the next few days. We can take every drop that uh, we'll get as long as it doesn't come like uh, five or six you know, inches I, all I'm, at once. I'm actually really hopeful. I think the drought cycle has been broken in the sense because we've been having some kind of what I call normal weather patterns now where mm-hmm. actually some moisture follows after high and low pressures. Yeah, yeah. So that a little hopeful. That word normal uh, <laughs> in, in Jan- January and February means painfully okay, cold, no, fa- too. Let's, so. see, let's be honest, Father Gross. In, so we grew up in drought years on the yes, farms. Yes, we did. There. I mean, we yeah. had some horrible experiences through all this. So, And in my memory, whenever you have a drought summer like this, it's followed followed by a very violent winter. I mean, what what's your memory on these things? Uh, just, that could, yeah, that, that could well be. I so, guess uh, I, I don't remember the winter of uh, 88, 89, but the summer of 88 was a, a devastating stating one yeah but uh we certainly are hoping to replenish uh you know a lot of the uh the lakes and reservoirs and streams as are many parts of the country speaking of being replenished we are grateful for the gift of the holy eucharist that replenishes us and we're going to be uh visiting and we are honored to visit with someone who is going to be uh pretty um uh, effective with regard to that conversation for the Church in the United States. Uh, Auxiliary Bishop Andrew Cousins from the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis. Uh, welcome to Real Presence Live. Thank you. I'm delighted to be with you. Thank you very much. Uh, as we begin, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, uh, I'm the Auxiliary Bishop in the Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis. I've been a bishop for seven and a half, going on eight years here. And uh, I was elected and began a term as chair of the um, Committee on Evangelization and Catechesis for the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. I began my term in chair as chair in November of 2020. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's in that um, chair that I was handed the project of helping the bishops to roll out a national Eucharistic revival. You were just pining for something more to do, weren't you, Bishop? <laughs> well, you know, I love the Eucharist, and so when this project fell in my lap, I didn't invent it. Um, some people think I did, but um, it was actually uh, Bishop Barron who was the chair before me of the Committee on Evangelization Catechism. Yes, okay. And uh, he had first proposed the idea actually before COVID. So it, mm-hmm. um, people sometimes think this was a result of COVID as well, but it was it was actually the... Um, the Pew study in the fall of 2019 that really shocked the bishops and I think caught Catholics in general attention, because mm-hmm. that Pew study seemed to say that about, you know, somewhere between 60 and 75 percent of Catholics don't believe in the real presence of the Eucharist. And uh, even, you know, about 20 percent said they understood that the Church taught that the Eucharist was more than a symbol, but they didn't believe it. And so, you know, so not, that, to, not to not to be assuming or taking anything yeah. for granted. Could, could you give us a basic definition for all of our listeners? Because we do have non-Catholic listeners as well, or maybe Catholics yeah. who don't understand. What is the Church's teaching when we when we see say real presence? What what is it that we're exactly talking about? 
Yeah, well, the simple truth is contained in John chapter 6, right? Where Jesus says, my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. And whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And we believe that Jesus, although certainly we would say that the consecrated bread is a symbol, in other words, it, it represents something, but we would say even more than that, it makes present what it symbolizes, and that is, it actually makes present the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus, which is simply to say all that Jesus is, right? And so when Jesus says, this is my body, because he's God and his word is true, the bread actually becomes his body, and wherever his body is, there also his blood, his soul, and divinity are. And so... Uh, Jesus himself is fully, really, truly present there. And so yeah. we believe there's an actual change in the substance. This is part of the key. That's what that word transubstantiation, which seems such a big word, means. Change mm-hmm. in the substance. So that the substance, the, the essence of what the thing is, is no longer bread. It looks like bread, tastes like bread, has all the properties of bread. But beneath those appearances is a new substance, and that is Jesus, his person, his body, blood, soul, and divinity, who wants to come to us in the most profound way anyone could come to us by entering literally into our bodies so that he can be united with our hearts. We should also explain that the protest of Martin Luther and his contemporaries tried to have it both ways with that uh, famous phrase, in, with, and under the bread, uh, Mm -hmm. an argument of consubstantiation that there would be both a real presence of Christ and the enduring uh, substantial presence of the bread. But uh, what we're saying is that there is an actual change in substance and a change that cannot be... Um, discovered empirically, let's say if you were using a micro, uh, microscope or, or your senses, but it is an actual change of substance that happens at the Holy Mass. Yeah, I like to point out that our senses can never tell what a substance is. We can only tell the properties of a substance. No matter how good our microscope is, <laughs> we can yes. only get to what are the properties of this substance. So it has whiteness, it has roundness, it, you know, it looks like bread. And generally, when we put our, all those characteristics of something together, properties, we, tell, we, we make an, an estimation. Oh, that substance must be wood, because it looks like wood, it feels like wood. But every now and then, we're wrong, right? We get a little closer, <laughs> and we realize our senses have been deceived. And so St. Thomas Aquinas says, all our other senses are in this deceived. What says trusty hearing, that shall be believed? Hearing says what? This is my body. And mm-hmm. Jesus says that. And then St. Thomas adds, truth himself speaks truly, or there's nothing true. Right? <laughs> and so, if Jesus says, this is my body, the one who could change water into wine, he can certainly change bread into his body and blood. So, so Bishop, just to kind of give a, a talking point here, but like, you know, say I'm somebody who's listening right now, and I'm hearing this, and just kind of like, and... It's say my response is well, well. So what? What difference does it make? What What does it matter if if that's it? Why Why should I be concerned about this? Or why would this have something to do with with me, average Joe on the street right now? Yeah, two really important things. First, Jesus made a promise, right? I am with you always until the end of the world. Well, how How is he with us? Well, one of the main ways he's with us, aside from you know coming to us through the Holy Spirit and living in our hearts through baptism. He's with us truly and substantially in the Blessed Sacrament. And so he comes to us to strengthen us and to give us the food of eternal life. 
uh, and that matches perfectly what he said in John chapter 6, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life. Those are Jesus' words about the importance of coming to share in his own life, the life of God, divine life, which we share in through Holy Communion. But there's also the point of, of the Mass itself. Jesus' um, gift of himself on the cross, which he made present at the Last Supper, is the true act of worship of God, the only really true act of worship of God that ever happened in the history of the world, because it was a perfect gift of himself, both man and God, to the Father for the redemption of the world. And he wanted also that perfect act of worship to be present throughout time. And that's where every Mass allows us to participate in that perfect act of worship, just as Jesus said to the woman at the well, right, in John 4. Mm-hmm. The Father seeks those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And we don't worship at the temple anymore, Jesus says. The time will come when we won't worship on the temple. We will worship in spirit and truth, and that's the Mass. And Jesus left us and commanded us to do this in memory of him so we could participate in his true worship. And by that, we, we, save, we save our souls, we save the world by ordering the world back to God through true worship. So it, it sounds like it's kind of, to use the words of uh, Pope Benedict, it's essential for people to know this, to understand it, and to believe in it. It is. It's, it's at the heart of everything that we are as Catholics and really as Christians, right? And it, it's what it means to be part of a, the covenant. When we receive the Eucharist, we renew our covenant um, with um, the Lord that's made in baptism, but strengthened and renewed in the Eucharist. That's why St. Paul said, every time you eat his, you drink this cup, you proclaim his death, which means you renew this covenant. Right. And uh, the representation of that uh, once-for-all sacrifice in unbloody form, I guess, to use the, uh, the Council of Trent uh, terminology. Um, we've been hearing over the course of the summer, and we're going to step aside in just a couple of minutes here, but I wanted to hear your thoughts quickly about this, Bishop, about the phrase Eucharistic coherence uh, with regard to if we are believing what we say about the Eucharist, that there are certain uh, responsibilities that we carry in how we, you know, um, uh, how we conduct ourselves in our daily affairs. Do you just want to expand on that phrase and, and, what, uh, and, and what the Church in the United States is really getting at there? Yes, it's, it's just a simple way to give what has always been the teaching of the Church, which is that um, there, there is a way to live in communion with Jesus through his teaching, and as Jesus says in John chapter 15, right? If the one who keeps my commandments abides in me. And then he says in John chapter 6, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you abide in me. What does it mean to live in communion with Jesus? It means that I certainly am receiving the sacraments, right? That's where the life comes to me. But it also means I have to desire to keep his commandments. And so St. Paul spoke about this very clearly as well to the Corinthian people when he, he rightly chastised them for divisions in the community. And he said... You know, the one who eats and drinks the body and the blood of the Lord unworthily eats and drinks condemnation upon himself. Mm-hmm. And so our life has to have that coherence in order to be a truly Eucharistic life. We'll continue this conversation as we are privileged to have Bishop Andrew Cousins, an auxiliary bishop of the Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis, joining us. And we'll uh, have more from him after this break. You're listening to Real Presence Live.
Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director at Riverview Place Senior Living Community in Fargo. For over 35 years, we've been honored to nourish our residents in mind, body, and spirit. We offer a full calendar of activities, events, and faith-based programming, and the best food in town. Our independent and assisted living residents thrive in our warm, comfortable, and compassionate community. We'd love to meet you. Call Marin or Katie today at 701-237-4700 to line up a tour. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sapo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision provides eye exams for the whole family and specialty services like vision therapy and custom contact lenses. We offer a variety of frames with missions you can believe in, like Moto Eyewear, which gives away a pair of glasses to a child in need for every frame sold. We are so grateful for your support and grateful to be supporting RPR. You can learn more about our mission at lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of the Real Presence Radio Network. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back, everyone, and thanks for staying with us here on Real Presence Live. Father James Gross and Father Jason Leffer joining you from our Grand Forks studios, and we are honored to have with us the Auxiliary Bishop of the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis, uh, Bishop Andrew Cousins. Uh, let's pivot into this uh, particular initiative that is going to be unfolding, and uh, the work that your committee is um, uh, is uh, deep into already here. Um, what, uh, what are the next kind of steps that we as the faith are going to see uh, coming about? You know, uh, we're very excited. We're starting a three-year initiative that we hope will affect the Church in the United States at every level. And so the official revival will begin at Corpus Christi next, which is uh, in June of 2022, June 20th. And we hope to have hundreds of Eucharistic processions around the diocese, around the country on that day in various dioceses. And then really a, what we call a diocesan year, so focusing on renewal of priests in their love for the Eucharist, renewal of diocesan leaders and parish staffs and people who could be leaders in parish revivals. But that first year will be about diocesan revival. The other thing is we're engaging lots of national partners. You know, everybody loves the Eucharist who loves their Catholic faith, and so it's a great opportunity 
for groups to work together. So the Knights of Columbus are going to be a major sponsor of this Eucharistic revival. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have, uh, they're training all the Knights Councils on how to do Eucharistic processions and offering a training video for anyone who wants to do it, right? They'll be encouraging adoration. Um, and so we're hoping to have, for example, you know, Knights of Eucharistic Adoration for different groups around the diocese in the year of diocesan revival. Everything really in that year focused on kind of strengthening our, our base in the diocese. And then year two will be the parish revival year. So we hope at the end of year one there'll be diocesan Eucharistic Congresses, whether those are a day or a couple of days would be wonderful. And then mm-hmm. really rolling out programs in the parish where we can help to give really good catechesis to our people, either through small groups or other opportunities, to teach them about the depth and beauty of our teaching of the Eucharist. Even those who believe in the Real Presence don't always know the depth and beauty of our teaching of the Eucharist. And so we we think there's a lot of wonderful materials. We're partnering with the Augustine Institute and the Graff Institute out of Notre Dame to produce excellent catechetical materials that we could roll out to small groups in parishes around the country during that parish revival year. And we hope to invite every parish to do a 40 hours devotion during that parish revival year. In fact, we'd love to have everybody do it the same weekend. Wouldn't that be great? Every parish in the country doing adoration for 40 hours in the same weekend as a sign, you know. And we could say to the whole country, stop into any Catholic church and you'll be able to witness our belief in the real presence. Right? Powerful. You know, what you're, what you're describing is very, very exciting and uh, hopeful and uh, gets, me, gets me excited, too, to just be a part of that. Um, again, I, I'm just thinking of kind of like average listeners out there right now. You, you've mentioned yeah. a number of things. It would probably be helpful just to give us a sense of what, what, what do you mean? So, for example, when you say Eucharistic adoration, what does that mean? When you say 40 hours devotion, what does that mean? And what, what is the Corpus Christi procession? Yeah. So these are all ways that we have, as the Church have come to honor Jesus' presence in the Eucharist. So because Jesus is truly present in the Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity, we know he's worthy of adoration. And so it's a wonderful place to go and pray. You can pray before the tabernacle, and you can pray before Jesus, we say, exposed in the monstrance. I always joke with the young people, you know, what do you do before a monstrance? And if they're Catholic, they know you genuflect. If they're not, they say you run away, you know? (laughs) 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 But it comes from that word to demonstrate or to show forth, and it shows forth Jesus in his Eucharistic presence. When we have a procession, we take that same monstrance and we go to the streets to demonstrate our faith in Jesus' real presence. And we know even, like, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton was converted through a Eucharistic procession. She was not a Catholic, but she saw people going by on the streets in Italy with the Blessed Sacrament exposed, and Jesus spoke to her heart, and she knew he was really there. And she ended up not only becoming a Catholic, but a saint and a founder of a religious community. Even St. So Clair, who we just, we just celebrated, she the powerful story about fending off the invading army with the Blessed Sacrament, you know. Yes, St. Rose of Lima did the same in Peru. Right, <laughs> held up the Blessed Sacrament, defined, around, surrounded by Spanish soldiers as the Dutch, Dutch were attacking. And so there's something powerful to Jesus' presence itself, and so we want to bring that presence to the streets and to the world. You know, our really exciting idea is we want to have a national Eucharistic procession. The Knights of Columbus want to help us with this. But we want to bring the Blessed Sacrament around the whole country. One monstrance, process it around the whole country, wow. leading to, in the summer of 2024, a national Eucharistic Congress. You know, we used to have Eucharistic Congresses in this country every 10 years. The last one was in 1976 in Philadelphia. 
where St. Right. John Paul II shared the stage with St. Teresa of Calcutta. St. <laughs> wow. John Paul II was Cardinal Carol Boitiwa at the time. Mm-hmm. But, um, well, but, I, I would say know, it's, time, it's time to have another one and get some new saints. Exactly. <laughs> That's my point. <laughs> we need to do this again. So somewhere in the Midwest in the summer of 2024, we hope to have a Eucharistic Congress with more than 100,000 people. And gather them together to hold up and to reverence this gift. You know, whenever you love something, you have to remind yourself about it. This is why couples, you know, they go off on trips together. They want to fall in love again. And Mm -hmm. we have to do that with the Blessed Sacrament. We love Jesus, but we need to remind ourselves in the world of how much we love Jesus. Now, locally, on uh, on the archdiocesan level, what kinds of discussions have you folks been having so far in terms of things to just continue to whet people's uh, appetite of uh, how to enter into this Eucharistic revival? You know, we're just in the the process of organizing our diocesan team, so we've asked all the bishops in the country to appoint a point person who we can work with and organize a diocesan team that will then be in charge of those initiatives starting in in the summer of 2022, so next summer. So we're organizing that team, we're brainstorming ideas, and we're asking all bishops to begin that process, uh, even at the same time as we're working with like our local knights of Columbus and others who are excited about potential opportunities. Right. So. And what would you uh, particularly ask of uh, listeners in terms of how they can uh, even now start uh, supporting this in, in the effort of the Eucharistic uh, revival in our country? Well, first and foremost, please pray for this effort. And our website will be up uh, at the middle to the end of September, and we're going to have a place where people can go and sign up on the website and say, I'll dedicate an hour of adoration every week to pray for this revival. And that's a great way to start. Go and do an hour of adoration somewhere where the Blessed Sacrament is and offer that for the success of this Eucharistic revival that many people might come to know Jesus' love. Second, offer to work with your priests and or other people in your diocese to say, hey, I have heard this Eucharistic revival coming, and I'm ready to volunteer, whatever you need. And uh, because the, the, the ideas will be coming out of a plan, um, out, out of the Bishop's Conference, and we're going to need lots of volunteers to help carry those out. And and then, of course, look for ways yourself to speak about and give witness to your own love of the Eucharist. I think especially to our young people, I experience when we gather our young people and we have adoration and we explain to them who Jesus is that's here, they can have a profound encounter with Him in the Blessed Sacrament. So, Bishop, we, we only have a couple of minutes left here, but could you give us a, a sense of where did your love for the Eucharist come from? How did you discover this, or were you just born with it, or how, how did it come to be in your life? <laughs> you know, um, I have two very important memories. One is my mother telling me about Jesus' real presence in the Eucharist when I was probably in kindergarten or something like that. But then also, um, I remember my parish priest teaching me to genuflect and explaining to me why I genuflect when I was learning to altar serve. And he's explaining to me, Jesus is really here. And then I also have vivid memories of kneeling next to the altar as an altar server and experiencing Jesus is really here. And that, that was really what the birth of my own vocation to the priesthood. And so I actually don't remember a time when I didn't believe in the real presence of the Eucharist, but I also remember many times where as I spent time in prayer before Jesus in the Eucharist, that belief and that knowledge has continued to grow. And of course, it eventually led me to the priesthood. Now, you, you mentioned two time periods. One was an hour of adoration, another was 40, 40 hours. W- what's the significance of an hour of adoration? Where does that come from, and why 40 hours? 
Yeah, you know, um, just the, simply the idea of making a holy hour has, has been a part of our Eucharistic devotion for a long time. And it's just the idea of, you know, we give an hour to a lot of things. Let's give an hour to Jesus. And a holy hour um, can be done on one's own in an adoration chapel or just in front of the Blessed Sacrament in the tabernacle. Oftentimes parishes or communities gather together for a holy hour to pray. And 40 hours devotion, um, as far as I know, it was popularized by St. John Neumann. I like to point out he's the only American bishop who became a saint, so we should probably listen to that. Um, and uh, he he really believed in this idea of having set aside 40 hours in honor of course of the 40 days that jesus fasted or the 40 years in the desert that number 40 such a biblical number and let's set aside 40 hours where parishioners could sign up starting on friday evening ending on sunday morning and you could we could dedicate this time as a parish to praying for our own spiritual renewal and it's a beautiful sacrifice to go and make a holy hour or to spend time in adoration, and we know the Lord honors that sacrifice and answers it with graces for people. I know, like, like even my own life, like, or, you know, Jesus says, you know, couldn't you spend one hour with me? You know, and that, I yeah. always hear that calling. When I'm, I'm tempted to not make the holy hour, I can hear right. his voice, like, what, what's so important? Why can't you spend an hour with me? And then even, like, Father Gross and I were referencing the drought earlier. I, I remember vividly the drought years of the 70s and 80s where our parish would have the 40 hours devotion with the idea that mm-hmm. 40 hours is a time of change, like something different's going to happen at the end, or it's a transformation period, and just those Beautiful. powerful spiritual encounters, yeah. Yeah. No, that's really true. Can you not spend an hour with me? Right, right. Well, listen, uh, Bishop, we are so grateful to have been able to have this time with you. As we uh, take leave, would uh, we be so? Would you be so kind to uh, offer us your blessing? Yes. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon each of you and remain with you forever. Amen. 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 Thank you very much, Bishop Andrew Cousins, the Auxiliary Bishop of the Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis. And we're very excited. He'll be joining the Priests of the Diocese of Fargo in November for uh, a retreat. So very excited to have you come to do that for us, Bishop. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Bishop, and blessings to you in this ministry. God bless. Thank you. All right, one more segment coming up on Real Presence Live today. We're going to be hearing about what preparing for the school year at a local Catholic school looks like. Carl Adolfson will be set to join us next here on Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 